This is a podcast about the hardcore community. Made by and for those who live authentic lives and embrace hard truths. We archive the stories of the bands and people who make this lifestyle possible. I'm Josh Lyon. And I'm Greg Benoit. And this is the Hardcore Archive Podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of the Hardcore Archive Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Josh Lyons, with uh, my other host, Greg Benoit, as always. Uh, we're going to be doing something fun for uh, pretty much the first time uh, this, on this episode. Uh, we've interviewed some people internationally before, but uh, this is our first time actually interviewing an international band, so it uh, should be cool. I uh, got a bunch of questions about their local scene as well, so hopefully they'll have some information for us there. Um, if I'm being honest, I just kind of didn't introduce myself before the interview, but I looked up their names beforehand, so I'm hoping I got them right. Uh, I think we're interviewing Tanaya and Sam uh, from yeah. Threshold uh, uh, tonight for us and today for them. Um, so yeah, as I said, uh, we got Greg with me too, but uh, uh, first, I guess, how's everything going for you guys today, uh, Tanaya and Sam? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a public holiday, so it's pretty quiet. Um, everyone's just chilling. What's the holiday? Easter. Easter Friday. Good Friday. Good Friday. That's yeah. the one. Oh, oh shit. We have, we have that here, too. Yeah. <laughs> you, you guys are ahead of us. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's coming up in a few hours for us. So, um, All right. Yeah. So like I said, this is going to be fun. We've I, I interviewed one person who's from Australia but lived in Rochester uh, for a few years. So when I interviewed him, it was more about Rochester. So this will be our first time really talking about Australia. Uh, obviously, as you guys know, I'm, I'm fond of the a few songs you guys uh, produced a few months back. So we'll be talking about that too. Um, but first, yeah, I'd be curious. Um, let's start with, I mean, you guys are from Melbourne, Australia, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm learning more about that scene as I go lately. I mean, there's a lot of good bands that I can see coming out of there, but why don't you guys tell us a little bit about like, just kind of how you guys came up in the scene there and just kind of, you know, finding uh, whatever, whatever the scene there is, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm, origin stories um i don't know i guess we came into it at slightly different times like a little bit separately so like i don't know i can only speak for myself but i started going to shows in like late 2015 so i was 14 years old then um and that was at a time when um like australian hardcore was sort of like about to start dying um for a while uh and you know i just kept going to shows and like i was always playing music and stuff um and always really interested in music and um i don't know just hardcore was accessible and spoke to me so that was sort of the one thing that or like the one type of music that really stayed consistent and um yeah i'm still doing it now i guess so yeah um for me I sort of started listening to bands like The Amity Affliction and Parkway when I was like 14, 15 and sort of stuck to that. And then I kind of got into hardcore like relatively late. I think I was like 19. Um, I just became friends with some people on the internet and they were like, oh, hey, come to this show. Um, it was when Expire was touring here. So I went to that and it was obviously like totally different to any other concert I'd been to because obviously those other bands are like you know huge stadium bands um 
yeah, and it was just way more intimate and I just sort of kept going to shows. Um, my relationship has been kind of up and down with the hardcore scene. Um, it can be pretty clicky, but I feel like that's everywhere. Um, and, yeah, I mean, obviously with COVID, like everything died down heaps. And before COVID, like I'd gone overseas to see bands, um, like went to Europe to watch hardcore bands in Japan. So my relationship with it here changed when I did that as well, because I was just like, the bands here suck. Like <laughs> the bands overseas are so much better. So I didn't go to shows here for a while there. Um, and then, I don't know, I feel like, towards the end of last year like there were a lot of good shows and it kind of like re-sparked my interest in it and that's kind of when you asked me to do the band yeah yeah it seems like a lot of people's energies got re-sparked with hardcore within the last few years like anybody who either you know was like I'm, I was kind of like that, so to speak, as well. Like I had been kind of going to shows again on and off because I've been into hardcore for many years. Uh, like like Greg has too. I'm sure he'll chime in on this in a second too. Um, but my interest was just kind of waning for a while, and it was honestly right before COVID for me. Like I started, there was like some new bands kind of popping up, like you know, in the U.S. And um, I saw a few of them live, and I was like, man, there's some some really good energy coming now with hardcore and stuff, you know. And unfortunately, obviously, everything slowed down for a little while, as you kind of mentioned there. And I kind of wondered how things were going to turn out afterwards. And I'll be curious to see uh, what you guys have to say about it. But it seems like it seems like everywhere, like hardcore has just been like exploding since since everything kind of reopened in the last couple of years, you know. Uh, but Greg, I'd be curious for you to chime in on what she said about the, the cookiness, too, because it's that's that's definitely an international uh, phenomenon, right? Yeah, no, I guess we have that problem here in the States, too. But one thing that I guess I like about like being older now and into hardcore is that I'm, I feel like it's like easier not to get sucked into all that. Um, so like definitely like got better, I guess in my like thirties or something. Um, I have like a ton of questions for you guys and, uh, I'm kind of curious to like, just hear about, you know, maybe like your local scene, like what's like a typical hardcore show in Melbourne, like, like how many kids are coming out What types of like subgenres of hardcore are in right now. Answer that. Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard to answer because it, it's a bit divided. Like, um, you know, there's sort of your more straightforward, punkier side of things. Um, you know, then yeah, there's you know your sort of middle of the road, maybe slightly metallic, kind of more '90s style hardcore stuff. And then um, I guess where we come in, or like what we're trying to kick off a bit more, is you know more heavier, more metallic kind of stuff um you know there's not enough bands for it to kind of be fully divided like there's always a little bit of crossover on lineups and stuff but I feel like that's the kind of broader trend and then like yeah I guess with newer people coming in though like they're less sort of worried about sticking in one particular lane um and there are a lot of kind of newer faces popping up that go to like every show which is sick um that's definitely how it was for me when I was younger and I guess kind of still is. Yeah. One thing, one thing I noticed in the States, like right after the pandemic, like started easing up and, and, and bands could go on tour. There were like a ton of mixed bill shows. Like you'd have like a band like terror 
touring with like a metal band that maybe like, I don't know, 15 years ago, they never would have been on the same package. Um, and I feel like that probably had something to do with, you know, the attendance wasn't great. People were still like nervous about getting sick or whatever. Um, but now things are like pretty, pretty wild here in, at least in our region of the United States. Um, a lot of older guys like us, I think have kind of gotten back into it. Um, you know, since the pandemic, once it's, you know, once going to a hardcore show was taken off the table, that was of course, like the thing I wanted to do the most. Um, but we've got so many like younger kids now. Um, like, it seems like that band turnstile is, is really popular here. And there's a lot of, you know, kids like in their late teens or, you know, maybe even younger, maybe some older who are just finding out about hardcore for the first time through bands like that. Um, I'm curious to know, cause like, I've, uh, you know, I've always been interested in, um, you know, different hardcore scenes, you know, around the world and how, you know, like what's, what's the same and what's different, um, you know, in like a hardcore scene in like Indonesia or something. Um, and I've often been curious to hear like, you know, what's it like, is it possible to put together like a DIY tour in Australia? Are there enough, is there enough interest in, you know, like your major cities to make it worth your while to like travel out from like, you know, Melbourne to like, sydney or adelaide or something i think yeah. so yeah. are you talking about like national like tours from bands around australia going around australia or tours from international bands like australian bands like i mean i've i, I think like drain is going over to australia soon or maybe they're you know they just yeah, came back from there and like i've seen like the bigger you know like american and european acts you know breeze through but like what's what's like it, what's it like on a local level for you guys living in australia I think it can be hit and miss. Yeah, I'd I'd say the same. It's pretty hit and miss. Um, even when Australian hardcore was kind of in a low period, like just before COVID, tours were still happening, but the attendance was just kind of poor. Um, it's probably quite a lot of money being lost, but um, yeah, now I don't know. Things are just picking up, so things are getting a bit more frequent and a bit more well attended. But I guess at the end of the day, there's always people trying to make it happen um you know whether or not they might lose money or you know there's not too many people showing up so yeah I mean I guess that's good yeah I think it's it depends on the bands like there are some bands who could like some Australian bands who could go anywhere and it'll just be packed but then yeah I don't know yeah it's just hit and miss so like what are like like um you know, what are like some of the bigger Australian acts that maybe like we here in the United States haven't heard of yet that we should check out? Um, I don't know. The biggest band Speed, but you've probably heard them a hundred times. Um, are, you know, they're above and beyond the biggest band. Um, but, you know, they're doing a lot of good for smaller bands as well, which is sick. Um, AWOL's pretty big. They um, did a tour here. They might have done a couple of tours here with Speed. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, they're pretty big, but they've also got American guys in it, um, like singer Bind uh, plays guitar in that. And uh, I don't know, they're probably the two biggest bands. Then you've got, yeah. I don't know, there's some staple bands like, I don't know, Born Free from Melbourne. Um, been going for like 10 years, probably more. Um, still mind. tour, yeah. Iron Mind, but they don't play so much yeah, though. Much, yeah. Like yeah. once a year. Yeah, it's a weird thing in Australian hardcore that um, I've noticed is different in other parts in the world. Like bands have a kind of short lifespan. So even if a band gets pretty popular at one point in time that, you know, 
won't last for too long. Um, there are a handful of bands that have been going for a while, but compared to somewhere like, you know, I went to Japan earlier this year and saw a lot of bands there that have been together for like, you know, 20 years um, with no lineup changes and stuff. And it's really different to hear like a bit of a revolving door. Yeah. I don't know if that's a bit off topic, but probably very off topic. It's pretty, I think it's relevant. Yeah. Now there's a couple newer Australian bands that you're talking about, like uh, uh, cycles and stuff. So I'm, I'm not sure if these bands are, are newer. They're newer to me, obviously, though. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have any relationship with any of these bands. Uh, I think uh, Fever Shack's from Melbourne, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're really good guys. Yeah. I like that record that those guys put out recently. And then uh, I think these guys, these other two bands are from different parts of Australia, but Engage and No Brainer. Uh, also put out some pretty good stuff recently too. I don't know if you guys are familiar with either one of those bands. Um, yeah, both actually. They're both from the same part of Australia. Yeah. 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 So it seems like you guys definitely got a lot of good shit coming out there. And, and obviously, like I said before, I was I was fond of the demo you guys created a few months back. So we'll talk about that in a second. But um, like Greg was mentioning, you know, internationally with with bands touring and stuff obviously it, you know it seems like it's 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 popping off a lot you know and I, I mean i've seen more bands going to like asia and stuff but i have seen like it seems like a lot of bands have come to australia lately too like greg mentioned drain and it seems like you guys have gotten a few other tours lately too i can't think of me off the top of my head but i feel like uh you had yeah. a few other ones uh Was it, wasn't undeath just in australia yes yeah yeah they're they're like our local hometown heroes right now they're like the biggest band in in rochester so we like live vicariously through them so <laughs> man who else yeah. has been here turnstile was here yeah um sanction was here at the end of last year oh, I think there's been internationally here. cruelty, oh, cruelty yeah. was here that was yeah. sick um yeah, it seems like those guys tour like every like every continent like like all like all the time pretty much it's crazy the, the touring that they seem to do you know yeah they're doing so well yeah that's a pretty crazy record i checked that one out too on topia or whatever you say that shit or whatever so So, like does does anyone ever bother checking in on perth because like i've read something one time that like they're like like said perth was like the largest population center that's the farthest from like any other major city anywhere in the world like do bands ever go out there or is that like driving for like three days through nothing but out and back to get to like one show it pretty much is that unless you fly which is expensive and driving for that long is expensive anyway um i feel like a lot of tours just don't go there yeah it's a very big risk like if you don't get a lot of payers then your money's going in the toilet so yeah, it's a it's a shame from Perth. There's definitely been some sick bands coming out of there as well. Yeah. So it's a real shame that um you know they don't get more tours and stuff to sort of like galvanize the scene, but it's what it is. All right. Well, when my band tours Australia, I'll make sure to like do a favor to all the all the guys <laughs> hanging out in Perth. I'll throw our shit on the back of one of those like 18 wheelers that has like five five trailers on it that I know you guys have out there. I'm sure they'd appreciate that. Uh, so I guess before we get into threshold, had you guys had you guys been in any, like any previous bands before that or anything? Or this is my first time in a band. Yeah, I've done other bands. Um, I've been playing in bands since I was like 14 when I sort of first got into hardcore. Like 
I did a really shit hardcore band back then that I played drums in and we had no bassist. Um, played like two shows and it was pretty funny. Um, after that, I played in like a gothy post-punk drum machine band and like an emo band sort of thing. Um, the whole time I was always really into hardcore and going to a lot of hardcore shows, but um, I don't know, never really could get a band together, um, especially like for a while, there was a big age gap between me and everyone else in the scene. Like I'm 22. So for a while, you know, when the, when show attendance was pretty bad, there'd be like all ages shows, but I'd be like the only underage person there. And I didn't really want to ask people like 10 years older than me to do a band. So, you know, now I don't know, like I've got a lot more solid friendships and stuff in hardcore because I've spent more time in it. So, um, yeah, kind of came time to put my own band together and here we are. So uh, you said this was your first time in a band. Uh... Oh, Tanaya, what, 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 what was the suggestion to get you to do vocals? Because you said it was you that asked her, her, her to do it, right? Yeah, um, I don't know. We talked about it for a while. We talked about yeah, it for a few years. Yeah, in like twenty eighteen. Yeah, and we, I feel like we were pretty close to doing it, and it just fell through. Yeah, and it was like a weird. I don't know. That was a weird time. And I just didn't want to do it anymore. So I just, yeah, I completely like erased that idea from my brain. And then, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you I, I, I just like, like I've always written heaps of music and like, you know, just written and recorded in my bedroom. Um, and then, you know, I guess we both sort of got motivated to do a band and like seriously actually do it this time um, after, you know, I guess we noticed like, you know, there's been this sort of new wave of interest in hardcore in Australia, um, a lot of new bands and a lot of um, new people showing up. But we sort of noticed that like the style of hardcore that we're more into wasn't really being represented. It's kind of trendy to do um, more, I guess, more straightforward punk driven hardcore, which I really like. Um, I like pretty much every type of style of hardcore, but you know, we both like more heavy metallic, um, even some like beat down and stuff. So, um, yeah, I guess we wanted to see that happen and we were a bit frustrated that, you know, there was all this interest, but it was directed towards stuff that, you know, I guess we weren't super interested in. So that was like our motivation for putting it together. And I guess that's why it actually ended up like happening. We had that sort of goal outside of just doing music. So one thing for me with like like metallic hardcore and especially like you reference beatdown is like I've noticed a lot of bands lately like it's like sometimes like four and like six minute songs and I'm like just kind of get to the point like give me a breakdown you know what I mean like and that's kind of like exactly what you guys do like was that was that kind of like the, the idea behind behind that or did that just kind of happen organically or yeah I mean I don't know I write all music um at least at the moment like I write all of it just like sitting at home and my goal for it was just to make it as sort of like intense and straight to the point as I could so yeah you're right like that was pretty much the intention I mean nothing wrong with you know throwing the uh four minute uh song out there here and there to give people a chance to rest or have a couple extra mosh parts I guess even but I don't know sometimes my attention span just likes the the shorter songs and I kind of you know I got a strict like two and a half minute limit on 
hardcore songs. Like I don't want to listen to anything over two and a half minutes unless yeah. it's like, you know, got like some instrumental part in it that, you know, you can skip over. <laughs> yeah. Like for a song to be that long, it would have to be super interesting to me, but I feel like that's hard to do. Yeah. yeah. And hardcore just in general is it's kind of more style and substance, right? So you know, I don't know if it can ever be, you know, interesting enough technically to justify that. So, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to write something that didn't go for too long and people could just use up all their energy punching the fuck out of each other um, and just, you know, get it over with and everyone can walk away and pat each other on the back and have a good time. Um, and I guess with that in mind, you guys dropped the demo uh, at least some of us internationally caught wind of it because I, I I don't remember how I found it. I mean, I, I catch a lot of stuff on like Instagram Bandcamp, so I'm sure I saw either your label shared it or, you know, I might have just found it randomly. But um, uh, long story short, um, you guys have played at least one show so far. So how's the reaction been uh, with playing the songs live? That show was really good. Yeah, so we've still only played the one show. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've got a few more coming up. Um, one of which is announced. Um, yeah, just can't wait to, you know, the first reaction was so good. So if we can keep that energy going, we'll be stoked. Yeah. It was like a pretty packed room, which was so surprising. Um, and like for me, doing vocals for the first time, like in front of people besides the band, I was really nervous about doing it to an empty room. Um, but yeah, the room was completely packed and all my friends were moshing and it was beautiful. It was so nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool if you guys can keep that energy going at the next couple shows. Um, any now with just the, the three the three song thing is like a little tease, I guess, for me. Uh, any any plans to record or release any more stuff in the near future or anything like that? Yeah, we've got recording booked in soon. Um for I guess what will probably be a single um and then yeah we're still writing like a longer release um so an EP or you know maybe an album if I go crazy and just write non-stop for a couple of weeks or something but um we'll see how we go yeah it seems like singles and EPs are the way to go these days like and even when a band drops an LP like I mean especially with you know songs being like a minute and a half two minutes long it's like that lp is like 15 minutes long you know so it's like barely barely past but an ep it's, it's crazy you know, like i'm not gonna listen to the whole thing in one sitting yeah yeah um what else was i gonna say um so what's the label you guys are hooked up with because i know there's a couple labels there right because you guys are hooked up with uh new ethic right or you guys are at least doing the, some tapes through them at least yeah, so the demo was a split release um, between New Ethic and Bonus Round. Um, our drummer is actually like the guy behind New Ethic. Um, he's also one of those newer bases that we were talking about popping up at shows like post-COVID. Um, who's like, you know, super passionate about hardcore and, you know, in a kind of short period of involvement has like really done a lot for the scene put out a lot of good releases and is like booking shows and stuff. So shout out to him. Um, and yeah, bonus round of people we've also known for a while that have been going to shows for, you know, like at least as long as us. Um, and I guess we thought, you know, like 
working with friends is good and having two labels to share it is, you know, twice as much reach, I guess. So, you know, just went with that. So is that like a reference to Earth Crisis, a new ethic record? Yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, he's pretty straight edge, so <laughs> I guess it's, I guess it is, yeah. We've got a new ethic in Rochester, but it's not a record label. It's a vegan pizza place. So, <laughs> I actually cool. changed my sweatshirt before the interview. I was we uh, for Christmas or something a couple of years ago. I got a new ethic sweatshirt uh, from our pizza place for Christmas, but I don't want to confuse any of the international listeners if I wore it for the interview to, to be like, "What the I fuck is that?" We've got some bootleg new ethic records yeah, merch over exactly. here in Rochester. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I bought it, I bought it off of eBay or one of those uh third party sites um so is there yeah, like a an active straight edge scene like uh, uh in melbourne or is this is like is like a prerequisite to be straight edge you got like a pretty good mix i just asked because uh this last weekend um was the uh, 30th anniversary of the firestorm seven inch uh released by earth crisis um and i got to attend that that show and it was it was pretty bonkers it was uh you know, there's a ton of ton of ton of hard dance, and uh, it's a good time. So I'm curious to hear about like the straight edge scene down uh, down there. Yes, it's I don't know I don't know if it really exists. There's definitely straight edge people, um, vegan straight edge people, um, you know, and a lot of them play in bands or do labels and that sort of thing. But I don't know if there are any kind of edge bands even at the moment. Um, there was there was you know we had rebirth. Yeah. check them out they were a sick band um sort of i don't know i guess really important for me getting into hardcore in the period that i did um i think that's sort of the last notable edge band we had and then yeah like there were bands before we started going to shows but you know i can't speak too much on that um yeah yeah it's not like a massive community really yeah, it's not really like a united thing, I guess. Like some people are edge. I'm edge. Most of my friends aren't. It's not like a whole click kind of thing. There are cliques, but not for that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's still pretty big in the US. What do you think, Greg? Yeah, it like ebbs and flows. And it feels like we're like on an upswing right now. But like, I don't know how long ago it was like 20 years ago and I was doing witness, which was a, a vegan straight edge band that, that I was in. Um, it was like tough to get people to take, to like, listen to us um, because it just seemed like veganism wasn't like as cool as, as it is right now, or as it had been in the past before the band existed. So that's probably partially why I asked. Cause I remember feeling like at that point in time, you know, in like 2003, um, you know, earthquake crisis had disbanded and, uh, or was on hiatus or whatever. And it felt like, you know, people had kind of had their fill of, uh, of like vegan straight edge stuff and we're looking for something just a little more general, but now I don't know, it seems like it's going strong. Definitely felt like it was going strong at the, uh, at the show last weekend in Syracuse. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. Like I like it when bands have a kind of I guess like a maybe an ideology is not right not the right word for it but you know they have a real strong message and sort of objective um but it's also you know it can be pretty polarizing as well so um 
you know, I guess it's always a bit of a gamble about whether anyone will really pay attention to your band if you do it um, or, you know, whether people will agree with your message as well. Um, I don't know. There's definitely a lot of, like, punk bands in Melbourne that do, like, you know, they have real political kind of messages, which is sick. I reckon not so much in hardcore. Um, you know, we don't really, but it'd be cool to say It's it's hit or miss here in the states. It was I feel like it was that was more in the '90s. It was more popular here, but it seems like there's still some bands that are more conscious about that stuff. But uh, it's kind of like what goes back to what you were saying about about being polarizing. Though I feel like it's great to have a message, but if you have that strong of a message, there's going to be certain people that might like your music, but they might feel kind of boxed out when they hear stuff that they don't necessarily agree with. You know, because obviously I don't I don't know how it is in Australia. I, I'm guessing worldwide we have this epidemic of everybody not being able to agree on everything and arguing about it all on the internet and everything else and yeah you know so um but yeah i think i'm pretty much out of topics and stuff i could ask a few more questions about australian bands i'm sure but um uh greg do you have anything else uh before we start wrapping up i guess no uh but i you know i like Pretty, pretty enmeshed in like Australian popular culture because my wife, uh, for some reason, I don't know why I'm sharing this, but my wife has like a VPN and she watches like the worst, shittiest reality shows from like all the other English speaking countries. So I've seen like every season of Australian Big Brother and um, I think Love Island. I've seen all those too. Um, I've seen like all the Chris Lilly shows. There was like some show, it might have even been filmed in Melbourne that was like these like rich moms having kids for the first time. And uh I don't oh, know what that real housewives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't know. I just remember they had like Louis Vuitton or like Burberry like diaper bags and like baby changing stations and like some some baby like shed all over it. And they're just like throwing these like five hundred dollar like luxury baby. <laughs> baby changing stations out because they don't want to clean them honestly the chris lily stuff is pretty accurate like his takes on australian culture is pretty yeah pretty accurate i reckon yeah no summer heights high is like a big favorite of mine um i know there's like tons of shit that he does that like probably has not aged well because it's not like you know too politically correct you know to be portraying like a woman when you're a man or someone from a different ethnicity or whatever but like you know, you take all that stuff out. There's some, there's some like funny, funny shit in there still that like, I think most people could get down front with. Um, let me think what else, what else? Yeah. There was like a period of time where I, I like my number one go-to insult was to call people a bogan. Which, uh, <laughs> no one, no one like God, but because, you know, I was like watching too much reality television from Australia. It was like, you know, funny for me or whatever. So like, what's your take on the Summerton man? Um, Cause I like heard they like, I like read online that they like did some DNA tests or they like, they're like coming in closer on figuring out who that guy is. Are you guys like not into, not into, not into uh, like unsolved mysteries type stuff? No, nah, I don't what? know what that is. <laughs> Fuck. You don't know about the Summerton man. I thought like that was like required learning and like your schools down there, man. I don't know. It was like in the 1940s, there was like some dead guy on a beach and like no one could figure out his identity. And, uh, I don't know. It was in, uh, I think it was in Adelaide or something. Oh my God. I'm going to have to look that up. 
Shit, man. I thought we, I was, I had like an hour of like Summerton man questions. <laughs> we'll have to save that for the next Australian Next interview. Okay, interview. go read yeah. the Wikipedia. We'll have, to after find you. A, we'll have to find a band from Adelaide, I guess. I, I didn't know we were going to talk about Australian TV. I was joking with my girlfriend beforehand because I was going to mention in the intro, I was going to be like, I hope they don't spoil the the finale of Wentworth because we haven't finished watching that yet. Cause I don't know if that's like a, a big phenomenon over there, but there was a couple of years here where it seemed like on Netflix, everybody in the U S caught wind of that show. And we, we watched pretty much up until like the last two seasons. So I don't, I don't know. It's a pretty cool show. I, yeah. I watched a bit of it. Um, yeah. I feel like it was pretty popular. Yeah. Yeah. No one really talks about it anymore. Is, it, is the show finished now? I feel like it was about to be, but during COVID, we, like, like I mentioned to you, when we were getting ready to do the interview, we have like young children. So right around the time COVID started was when I kind of stopped being able to watch TV. So I don't really know what shows are finished and what aren't. I just kind of assumed that certain, certain ones were about to be done. And uh, when our kids allow us to watch TV again uh, in several years, I'll probably figure out what shows have finished and which ones haven't, you know, it's kind of like, listen to podcasts at night because it's easier type thing now you know so <laughs> yeah. have you seen um, uh animal kingdom the like they did a u.s adaptation of a australian movie called animal kingdom and they turned it into like a tv show on netflix or something have you guys seen that i don't know that one i'll have yeah, to write I'll, that down have a look at the like the original australian movie it's a fucking great movie like real raw crime stuff um yeah, as far as like Australian media goes, that just popped into my mind because you know Americans came and like fucked it up, stole it, and <laughs> fucked it up. So check out the original. Yeah, I'm, I my my I'm, I apologize. My knowledge of Australian culture is pretty minimal. Going into this interview, I I was thinking back to bands that I was familiar with, and uh, there's like maybe two or three before before recent times. So, you know, Mind Snare is are more they from your guys' area or? Yeah, from the, our city. Yeah. Um, they still play, what, like once a year? Yeah, maybe less maybe, maybe less these not, days. It used yeah. to be like a once a year thing. Um, but, you know, every show they do will still be packed out yeah. like instantly. Um, they usually sell out. Yeah. Um, people from all different crowds as well. Um, it's like a sort of, you know, mind, mind snare day is like a thing. Um, so they're sort of like a timeless band, yeah. Well, I was going to say timeless because they've been around for years because it must have been the year 2000 somebody from australia was probably like our age like in his 40s now i think his name was mark we called him mark the aussie kid um because he ended up being here for like two weeks he like went to like a new year's day uh, like a show in syracuse which is like an hour from us and he stayed at somebody's house in rochester and he was here for like two weeks and he's even on a seven inch uh uh of a rochester band he like says something uh, uh he says uh that's not posy but like in, in your in your accent so it sounds like to us it sounds funny you know what i mean um but he told long story short again he told me about the band mind snare and, and i was thinking about that going into this interview i was like man i wonder i never i don't remember what, what town in, in australia he's from i doubt you guys would have any you know interaction with him but it'd be funny if he was still going to shows and you know shout out to him if he ends up finding this interview somehow so i never knew that story behind that that's not posy sample i thought that was like from a fucking movie or something i didn't realize they like imported a guy he was here for like two weeks because he went to like three or four shows he went to the new year's day show in syracuse there must have been a show here and then there was a show in, another show in syracuse because i saw him at like three shows huh. 
and we were just like talking and then uh that's when i remember hearing about the band mind snare for the first time and then, and then when you mentioned the timeless comment made me think about it because i was like damn that was like almost 25 years ago so that those guys have to have been around for you know tons of years yeah they're still around yeah a little bit all the uh, ones that you learn about yeah um i think uh i'm trying to think of the other the other australian bands obviously you guys mentioned speed earlier uh what miles away were they from australia i feel like that was like like 10 or 15 years ago yeah they were huge well yeah. my time very like still talked about band yeah 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 and then i think in the internet era i might have randomly found a really moshy band i think they were from australia called uh jack napier i don't know if you guys are familiar with them at all yeah uh, they're not they're not from here i don't know though i think again this is probably from a bit before i was into hardcore but it definitely rings a bell um i think they were a bit more like metal corey right yeah they had I, I it was like there was an era where you could just like find like tons of albums and just download them all at once and I just found all these albums and I listened to that and I, and they had really cool artwork too. It was like, I think it was like a shark attack or some shit, but it was like really like, like a cartoon. It was really yeah, well like, like drawn. Yeah. But the whole album, like, like it, it was like every song just had like, cause I like the, I like, like you were saying earlier too, Sam, I like a lot of different kinds of hardcore too, but I love like a good breakdown and every single one of their songs had like, just like, I could just, I, they're from Australia. So they've obviously never been here, but I could picture just like tons of kids going off and like moshing like crazy for shit like that. So I, I love shit like that, you know? So, but I think that's pretty much my knowledge of, of Australian bands. Um, aside from obviously you mentioned Parkway earlier, they're, they're from your, your they're, 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 they're probably the huge band there, right? Outside from now speeds coming up to be pretty big too. Yeah. Massive. Yeah. Cause they, cause even when they come here, I don't know if they, ha I feel like they headline over Hatebreed now because I think they were, I think they were going to do a tour with Hatebreed around. I don't think it ended up happening because COVID uh, like postponed it or whatever, but I think Parkway was going to headline and Hatebreed would be like yeah. before, them, which Hatebreed's a, a huge fan for. Actually, yeah, yeah. Didn't, yeah, I don't know. They're next level. I mean, you've probably seen videos of like the kind of shit they pull off in Europe, like full on pyrotechnics and like drums that go upside down and shit fucking nuts but you know yeah they started off sort of like the rest of us playing in youth centers and all that so yeah gives us something to aspire to i guess whether that's realistic or not is another conversation <laughs> but yeah well i mean that's the crazy thing now because you have like i mean you guys have parkway now we have turnstile and and, and like even like a knocked loose or a couple of those bands so i feel like a lot of people are you know it seems like i can do that i could do that you know and it's like it's, it's you're saying it's you're like you're saying it's a lot to aspire to type thing but i i do feel like there's there's definitely more opportunity for for bands to kind of do this more seriously now with with how how more exposure hardcore has been getting in the last couple of years you know yeah 100 percent. i mean for threshold like our sort of i guess our like realistic goal is really just to go overseas like um you know me and Tanaya have both been to shows overseas and seen like some sick scenes in other places that we really want to reach. Um, and yeah, the other two people in the band also just like really want to do that. And, you know, we hope that it's, you know, maybe a couple of years or, you know, hopefully less, um, we can do that. So, you know, if you've got anyone down your way that wants to hook us up <laughs> and 
and uh, accommodation and tour bus and uh, five star hotel. Let us know. I'll get I'll get right I'll get I'll get the ball rolling on that. I've already I've already we've already been cracking jokes in a couple of my group chats because I've been listening to so many international bands and I'm like man I got to figure out ways to do this and that and and you know because it, it's crazy like I'm just so excited there's so many good bands coming out like not just in our in our part of the part of the world like it's, it's everywhere you know what I mean like like you guys were saying going to shows in Japan earlier like I mean I, I hear bands from just all all over the world now and it's 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 awesome you know hardcore is obviously reaching every everybody you know it's great so um yeah this is a good chat greg uh, you got anything else before we uh I'll, I'll wrap up and ask them for any uh shout outs or plugs uh no just check your instagram dms because i uh sent you a, an article on the summerton <laughs> man i expect you guys to read that we'll have you back after you play some more shows and maybe to like promote your your u.s tour and we can like do a deep dive Sounds good. Yeah. this is weird we've never had it we've never had a project uh at the end of an interview before but uh i guess anybody else listening to okay. i'm not i'm not familiar with that either obviously so i might have to look i have i i always have a, a, the maximum amount, amount of uh, wikipedia windows open on my phone so i don't know how i can fit that in there but i'll look that up later somehow so i'm sure yeah. so look up summerton man look up the ice doll woman that that's from like finland though that's better than the summerton man because it's even more mysterious but you know yeah that sounds scary <laughs> I don't know about it's not it's not really an unsolved mystery, but have you heard of the um the the Russian doll man? Uh, I think so. And give me the gist of that. Like what's that all about? It's pretty hard to to wrap up really quickly, but like, <laughs> I don't know. There's this there's this Russian like academic dude that was like he specialized in like graveyards. Um and he was like he had this like psychic well, what he reckoned was a like a psychic connection to dead children and he was um you know under the guise of all his research he was like digging up dead children that had like spoken to him and like putting them in like life-size dolls and like he'd keep them in his apartment and like watch tv with them and like hang out with them and i don't know just jump on YouTube and have a look at that one. It's pretty good. <laughs> Check that out. It sounds like Cannibal Corpse probably would have like an entire album about that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but he, he was benevolent though. It wasn't like, you know, Cannibal Corpse, they're singing about like doing bad shit because they like doing bad shit. This guy thought he was doing good shit. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess to be fair to him, they were already dead. So it's not like he murdered them, you know. <laughs> like right. Cannibal Corpse. All right, sorry, 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 sorry. This is no, not a true. Ahead. It's not a true crime podcast. It's a hardcore podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say before we have to start changing the categories on the on the Spotify page. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, though, guys. Uh, I'm glad we got to learn a little bit about Australia and the culture there, and especially the bands there. Um, obviously, we'll keep our eyes on what you guys are up to, and uh, we'll look into available tour buses in the next couple of years when you guys are ready to make that jump um but with all that being said uh do you guys want to do any uh shout outs or, or plugs uh before we start wrapping up yeah shout out judge by 12 look out for a release from them coming soon that's um that's our brothers uh i can who else shout out new epic records shout out bonus round um shout out brisbane there's a lot of underrated bands coming out of there 
um, have a look at Deathbed and Knuckle Dragger. That's two sick bands out of Brisbane. Um, yeah, I don't know who you got. Forewarned. Forewarned. Look out Keep for that. Keep an eye out for that. Yeah, that's about it. The Hardcore Archive podcast is Josh Lyons and Greg Benoit with creative support from Rob Antonucci. This podcast is a product of the Rochester Hardcore community. Theme song provided by Standfast. Visit Hardcore Archive podcast on Linktree to listen to past episodes. Follow Hardcore Archive podcast and Enterprise Hardcore podcast on Instagram for updates. If you have an idea for an episode or would like to have your band's music featured during the closing credits, please contact us at hardcorearchivepodcast at gmail.com. I'm gonna